and there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. Glory is waiting, waiting, waiting up yonder where we shall spend the endless day. There will our Savior, Savior will be forever where no more sorrow can dismay. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. And there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. Some morning yonder, yonder, we'll cease to ponder all things this life has brought to view. All will be clearer, clearer, say one, be dear, in heaven all will be made new. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown, and there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be known, and there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown, and there be no tears in heaven's fair. No tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. Church, let us know, pages <clears throat> 538. Hope is built on nothing less. Fall found that a scene together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid. Rock, I stand all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. When darkness veiled his lovely face, 
I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale. My anchor hold end of hill. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then him, him be found, dressed in his righteous net alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Church, let us know page 472. After next song selection we have scripture reading and prayer a shelter in time of storm <clears throat> page 472 fall find that sing together the lords are rocking here we hide a shelter in the time of storm secure whatever ill be tied a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land. A weary land. My Jesus is a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land. Oh, a weary land. My Jesus is a rock. In the weary land, he's a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears, alarm, no foe or fright, a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in the weary land, a weary land. A weary land, my Jesus is a rock in the weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us be. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat. A shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A 
weary land, a weary land, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, he's a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, a weary land, a weary land, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, he's a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, oh, rescue dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou a helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land. A weary land, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, he's a shelter in the time of storm. Well, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, a weary land, a weary land, my Jesus is a rock. In a weary land, he's a shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Good morning, church. Scripture reading will be read this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. That's Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. It reads as follows. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, a great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Get good will toward men. May God continue blessing the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Let us bow and go to our heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father, and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and clothing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for bringing us out of darkness and putting us into your marvelous light. And we also thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, 
your son and our Savior Jesus Christ, who freely left his home and glory, came to earth, lived, died, and were buried and rose again on the third day. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. And we thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the ones that are present. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for each and every member here at Inglewood Church of Christ and their families and friends. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless us with the thing you know we stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that are having difficulty at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones working on the front line. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would watch over them and keep them safe. We pray for the sick and the shut-in. Just pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment box. Pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's walking in darkness. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray for our delinquents now. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll love each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, we'll be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that this worship service will be done deeply and in order. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he comes to deliver us the bread of life. Pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen. Lord, we'll listen toward you turn. Because they will be eternal matters. He will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but also doers of your word. So the things we learn, we'll be able to go teach and tell others what they must do to be saved. Because, Heavenly Father, we know the harvests are plentiful, but the labors are few. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer, and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All the blessing we ask in your son and our Savior Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at pages 904 for our Song of Invitation, pages 904 for the Song of Invitation, and our next song selection, let us know, pages 885.
885. How beautiful heaven must be. If I'll find out to sing together. <clears throat> we read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's word he has given. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. In heaven no drooping or pining. No wish for where elsewhere to be. God's light is forever there shining. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven for, for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Pure waters of life there are flowing. And all who will drink may be free. Gradures of splendor are glowing. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Heaven sweet home of the happy and free, haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be! How beautiful heaven Man, how beautiful heaven must be. What a song to sing as we close out this year. And knowing that there's a place that we can go. There is certainly a place that God has prepared. And that place is in the 
a description called heaven. And I know that there are many individuals who have tried to describe and define where it is and what it looks like. I, I appreciate their efforts, but I'd just rather stay with with what with, with John said. John said it is a place that has streets of gold and walls of jasper, crystal waters. It is a place where Christ is and, and he shines in his brightness of his majesty and glory. Uh, we don't need the, the S-U-N, the sun, that brings heat to this earth because in heaven we have the S-O-N. And he shines from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. And so I just like the way John describes it. I don't, I don't, I don't have to put my own spin on it. I, it. Whatever John saw is good enough for me. Amen. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. It's good to see you all this morning as we close out this year. And certainly as we uh, close out this theme that is... Um, centered around the, uh, the idea of the ark, the tabernacle, the temple, the, uh, the church, and the covenant. And uh, we are in the covenant side. We, we've, been, we've been drilling down into the, the word of God on the covenant side because we're on the spiritual side. We are addressing those things which are beyond the flesh. Um, we recognize that the ark and the tabernacle and the temple were fleshly matters. They were matters of the uh, carnal man. And, and they would have to bring uh, sacrifices of animals and of other types of sacrifices from the vegetation of the earth and give those sacrifices unto the Lord in their worship and devotion to God. But on the spiritual side, there's the church. There's the church of Christ, amen. There's the church that is a spiritual body, as Peter would define us as. Uh, lively stones built up a spiritual house. Um, and he made sure that we understood that as he spoke to the woman at the well in John 4, that neither in uh, Jerusalem nor in those mountains as she was in would men worship God, but uh, that, but, that, but that those who worship God would worship them uh, in spirit and in truth, which is to imply that it is not the physical place, the buildings that were of significance. What was of significance were the people. And whether or not their hearts and their minds, their spirits were devoted unto God. And so wherever we go, Wherever the people of God are, amen, we can have worship because the church is there, amen. Uh, and so he, he makes it very known that this church, this body, as Matthew 16 and 18 would clarify for us so, uh, so perfectly when he says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail un, uh, uh, against it. And so we recognize then, even with those two texts, John 4, Matthew 16, 
that the church is spiritual. Peter magnifies it and says it is a spiritual house and makes it very clear. It's spiritual. And in that it is spiritual, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, being spiritual is coupled with whether or not the word of God is framing and guiding and directing and leading and grounding everyone that is claiming to be a member of the spiritual body called the church. As a matter of fact, the very idea of coming into the church was to be part of what is called the called out ones. That's what ecclesia means, the called out ones. We're called out of the world. We're called into the church body of Christ, the kingdom of God. We are called out of those things that caused us to be separate from God. We're called out of sin. We're called into righteousness. We're called out of ungodliness into godliness. We're called out of all those things which were of the carnal mind and of the flesh that kept us from being able to look forward towards heaven's glory. But now being spiritual, we have the aspiration and certainly the hope that one day we can live in heaven where God the Father, Christ the Son, and certainly the Holy Spirit is with all the other divine beings of heaven. And so we find ourselves here at this place in Luke chapter 2. And we are reading this text, and, 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 and as I prepped for this, I, I, I thought about something very interesting. In order to understand the end, you've got to understand the beginning. See, being at the foot of the cross is actually the end. But I really don't understand the foot of the cross unless I understand the beginning, which is the manifestation of Christ. I know that some of you probably came today because you're looking for that holiday sermon. Well, whether you not know it or not, this is a holiday sermon. Because if you truly want to understand what this time period is supposed to be about, then you have to understand Luke chapter 2. It's not about the commercialism, but it is about the gift that's on the tree, not the gift that's under the tree. You probably remember that from last Lord's Day. And as we look at this idea of, the, of, of Christ coming into the world, and, 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 and I want you to see here that, that, that the, his coming, the announcement of his coming, is of no new information as it pertains to the foot of the cross. Because God actually told us why he was coming. Amen. And his coming was to bring us to this point where we are in our lesson, which is the foot of the cross. Because if it were not for the coming of Christ, the foot of a cross would be a dreadful thing to look forward to. Because without the coming of Christ, being at the foot of the cross has no value for us to enter into heaven's glory. Because the gift that's on the tree, which is the body of Christ, was born into this world so that it may do something that no other human being, no other creature to come could ever do. And that is to take away the sins of the whole world. Amen. To bring, if you will, something into this world 
that God, if you will, desired to have in order that we may enter into heaven's glory. Many times when we hear this story, we see it on all of the wonderful commercials and cartoons and whatnot that talks about the, 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 the coming of Christ. But we truly don't understand the significance of it until we understand that being at the foot of the cross is about, it is about uh, the, the, the mediator and the advocate. It is about that long suffering of God that is found, if you will, in the judgment seat. It is about the mercy of God. It is about all of those things that will culminate at the foot of the cross. But it begins with Christ. In Luke chapter 2, we had it read in scripture this morning as we began in verse number 10, as they were, if you will, trying to figure out what do these things mean as they saw the star, if you will, that was shining in the air, they began to contemplate, what do these things mean? How do we figure these things out? And he says, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now remember, John had made something very clear when he saw Jesus in the book of Mark. John was, was looking at Christ, and he says unto us, and something says something to the people at that time, and therefore by them to us. He says, if you will, behold the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the whole world. In the beginning of Christ's coming, it's already very clear here that the coming of Christ was about good tidings. It was about great joy. And it shall be to all people. In other words, when Christ came into the world, he wasn't coming just for a specific ethnic ethnicity or an ethnic group. He came for the sin of the whole world. And only he could take away the sin. Only he could die for those of us who could not, who could not die for ourselves. Fear not, for I bring good tidings and great joy. Remember that good, if you will. We talked about that idea of good and, and what it meant as we spoke about various sermons. But we talked about how God, even in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, where there, where there was the knowledge of the tree, the tree that they ate of, of good and evil. And then later on, he says, behold, this day to the children of Israel, I set before you good and evil or life and death. He says, choose good, therefore to choose life. And then when we stand before the judgment bar of God, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, we're given account of those things, whether what we've done in this body, whether it be good or evil. Well, Jesus had already planned for us to speak about what was good when he came into the world. Jesus is coming into the world, that, that star, that, 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 that uh, city of David, Jerusalem, that gave us, if you will, this, this wonderful evolution of, of God's plan to save man was couched in the coming of Christ. I bring you good tidings. Well, tidings, well, well, why, is this, why is this information so good? Why? Why is this coming of Christ? Why is this event so good? Why is it so wonderful? What is the significance of it? Why should we have joy about the coming of Christ? Why should we celebrate the coming of Christ? Why should we celebrate his birth? Amen. As we forget about celebrating his death. I'll deal with that next year if God blesses the live. But at the foot of the cross, when we're talking about the, the coming of Christ, why should we celebrate it? Because he came and brought something that nobody else could ever bring. That was a pathway from earth to glory. 
There's nobody that preceded him who had been able to make that pathway uh, uh, alive and accessible. John came preaching about the pathway, but John didn't lay the pathway. It was Jesus. John didn't build a church. That is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He didn't build a church. He didn't build a spiritual gateway from earth to glory. He didn't put in that bridge that would take every soul that was in, if you will, that committed itself to God and, and had the faith that God desired to have and then lived that life of faith. Fought a good fight. Kept the faith. Finished the course. John didn't bring any of that. But Jesus did. And that's why John says in John chapter 1 and verse number 14, he says, we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he also says in that same text, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the apostle John makes it very clear that this is what Jesus came to do. John the baptizer did his part, but John the apostle said, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to set up something and to prepare a way for all that would desire to be saved, to be saved. All that desire to go into heaven's glory, to be saved. Saved from what? Well, what was the alternative? The alternative was couched in the discipline and the, and the, and the, and the repercussions, if you will, uh, 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 and the judgment for sin. As Romans chapter 6 will let us know and, and continue to communicate until God sends someone back in the form of Christ to come and to, and to take us home to glory, that is Christ to come, to take us home to glory, until that happens. Paul had said to the church at Rome, for the wages of sin, But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's not about the gifts under the tree. It's about the gift on the tree. Jesus came and he says to us, and through the angels, whereas he says that, that, that Jesus, if we will, would be good tidings and, and, and great joy, and it shall be to all people. Let me tell you something. When somebody says to me, you couldn't die for yourself. You couldn't die for yourself because you were in sin. And being in sin led to death, and that is eternal damnation. If somebody comes to me and tells me, but it's going to be all right, because Christ came and died so that you can believe and have faith in him and walk across across the bridge from earth to glory, I think that's something to have joy about. Amen. You can sing all your Christmas carols. I'm going to sing about Christ. I, I don't know about the part that's in the pear tree, but I know about Jesus on the tree. Amen. That's my boy. Because that's how you get to heaven to glory. That's the joy that we sing about. Amen. And, and, and all these wonderful songs, maybe we should open up the book of Psalms and sing some songs about Jesus. Because with all those songs that we sing, the Christmas carols, amen, the most important idea that should be captured about this season, this season is the joy that we should have because of Christ. If we're singing about the birth of Christ and the 
there's no way that we can establish the fact that December 25th is the birthday of Christ. There's no biblical text for that at all. That being said, I'm thankful for the intent. I'm thankful that you're trying to get, it, get at least get an understanding that the good news and the glad tidings came with Christ. My, my disappointment is you're not explaining why we should be joyous. We were headed into a direction that no one could turn us from until the coming of Christ. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And there'll be a few that find it. But broad is the way, wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction. And there'll be many that go in there at, amen. We needed somebody to put a signpost in the middle of the road of our life and say, turn around. Lord have mercy. Say, turn around. And Jesus became that signpost. For those who choose to make heaven their home, when we were driving down the road to destruction, amen, uh, uh, with our foot on the gas and pressing and pressing it to the floor. Somebody happened to notice, what was that sign that we just passed? Well, that sign said, Jesus, turn around. Amen. Look, hope you got some scripture for that. Oh, yeah, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible lets us know that it's because of Jesus. Amen. Who's become both, amen, Lord and Savior, amen, says turn around, amen. The very idea of repentance comes from the word that means turn again, to turn around, amen. And Ephesians 1 and 7 says we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. I'm trying to get you to see what this signpost says. As we are pushing our feet on the gas, our foot on the gas, and, and headed toward destruction. The signpost says, Jesus, turn around. That's on the cross. Amen. When the cross came into position, the cross gave us a chance to turn around and to go down the road that leadeth unto everlasting life. This is the great joy. This is the wonderfulness of the coming of Christ. And he says, which shall be to all people. None shall be denied. None shall be denied. He said, all people. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your beginning is, what your ethnicity is. It doesn't, doesn't matter. All people can be saved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need a, a vote from Congress to get that done. All people can be saved. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen to this world, but I know if we don't get our souls right, I know what God has said is going to happen to our souls. Amen. Amen. And here it says that, 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 that Jesus has come to save all people. I think that's something to rejoice about. Amen. And what, he's, what is being said here is not about people in terms of the flesh. Sometimes we have to make sure that we check our thinking process as we go across these scriptures because no flesh shall enter into heaven. And so it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. <laughs> that becomes irrelevant to salvation. What he's speaking about is our soul. Amen. Every soul can be saved 
if that soul desires to be saved, if that soul desires to be faithful, if that soul desires to, to, to present their, uh, their lives as a living sacrifice and holy and acceptable unto God, can be saved. That's the joy. That's the euangelion. That's the good news, the glad tidings. That's the gospel that Jesus came and died, suffered a cruel death, was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again on the third day. That those of us who believe in him and believe in that and why that blood was spilled and live our lives accordingly, that we can make heaven our home. That's the good news. That's the glad tidings. Isaiah says something to us in Isaiah 53. Because here it comes the challenge. Before we understand the end, we have to understand the beginning. We have to put it across, but we, have, we need to understand the beginning. In Isaiah, the gospel, according to the, the, uh, the, uh, Isaiah, has been called the fifth gospel. And, and, and truly, if you read Isaiah 53, there's something about Isaiah 53 that helps you understand something about the gospel. Surely Paul made it very clear when he wrote Romans 1 and 16, for he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Isaiah 53 and verse number 1, Isaiah says, after all of this, who hath believed our report? In other words, has faith kicked in? Has faith cometh by hearing? And hearing by the word of God. Who hath believed our report? Do you not know that at the foot of the cross. When we stand there. We're about to be if you will. Judged according to God's will. And, and, and Jesus being our mediator. Amen. And we're standing there. The, the, the question is. Did you believe his report? About Christ. Did, did, was it just some passing fancy of yours or did you truly tr commit your life to change and to be that which was a living sacrifice and holy and acceptable unto God? Who has believed our report? When my struggles of life became real to me, as adulthood kicked in and, and the struggles of life became heavy upon my shoulder and I realized that my knees were buckling and my ankles were twisting because I couldn't carry the weight of life. But then when I met Christ Jesus and I heard the word of God and it turned my life around, I'm asking the question, who had believed my report? Who had believed my report? Who had believed what Jesus said? believed my report do you believe that in Genesis when Jesus when God rather said if you will to 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 Adam and Eve and and, and to the devil in the in the garden when he said to them amen that 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 Jesus uh, through the through the seed of uh, 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 of, uh, of, uh, of Eve that there would be a seed that would bruise the heel of Satan amen he shall bruise his heel and, and the seed shall bruise his head. He shall put enmity, Colossians chapter 2, between the two of them. In other words, that did not happen until Jesus died on the cross. 
There was no overcoming Satan. There was no overcoming wickedness. There was no overcoming the trials and tribulations of life. There was no help. There was no support. There was no strengthening until Christ. Everything else was temporary until the coming of Christ. Who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know, this is interesting language here. Because if you read this language and you look at all the frescoes that have been painted that simply that are, are say, that are said to be the images of Christ, there's somebody some, somebody messed up something. You know, because whether you agree with it or not, I don't think anybody has ever said blonde hair and blue eyes was something that was no form and comeliness and there's no beauty. As a matter of fact, in certain countries, that is the standard of beauty. Amen. Say when you can. I didn't say you agree with it. I'm just saying in some countries. But this text says that ain't it. That's not the significance of who Christ is. He says there's no beauty that we should desire him. No form, no comeliness. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. As if it was his fault that we sinned. Lord have mercy. Did you ever stop and read that? Why is it that we're despising Christ? Why is it that, that, that we don't see any, any, any beauty in his form? Why is it that we don't see the significance of his grief? Why is it that we don't see, if you will, uh, 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 why is it that we're not esteeming him when it is because of our sin that he died on the cross? Not because of his sin. Bible says he had no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. You know the significance of this as Isaiah writes it. Isaiah sits here and he says to us, he says, we hid as it were our faces from him. Maybe we should have been hiding our faces from ourselves because in Christ we really saw who we are. Are we ashamed? I hope we are of our sin. So we're going to hide our faces? Why? Because we saw who we are in Christ. He was despised. People didn't want to have anything to do with Christ. Wait, 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 Wait a minute. You mean to tell me you didn't want to have anything to do with the advocates of your soul? You didn't want to have anything to do with he who sits at the right hand of God, who, 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 who advocates on your behalf, amen, as, if you will, your, your, uh, uh, your earthly lawyer. He, he advocates on your, half, uh, uh, your behalf as, your, as a spiritual presence before God. While we are here on earth, he advocates, as John, 1 John 2 says, he is our advocate because of sin. Let me tell you something. You despise that. Lord have mercy. Isaiah says, 
he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Let me tell you something. When we're singing songs of praise unto God, our hope in our minds, in our spiritual hearts, we are realizing that that is the least we could do for the sacrifice that Christ gave. Thank you, Jesus, for just giving me one more day to try to make my life right. Thank you, Jesus, for putting the pathway in place that I can have an option, if you will, to make a choice between going the way of destruction and the way of everlasting life. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for stepping up and taking on the pains and the suffering and going through the grief that I should have went through. But you did it on my behalf. Is that is the one that you're not esteeming? I say to you that if Jesus himself walked through these doors, all of us should get up and try to put him on our shoulder. And carry him forward. Because this is the suffering that the child that was born on that wonderful day. This is the suffering that he came into and, 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 and was willing and was willing to die for our sins. Can you imagine for a moment the father looks around heaven because somebody's got to die for sin. That is God's law and God doesn't mock his law. Somebody had to die for sin. And the one who died for sin had to be innocent. It had to be 100% innocent. And that's why the animals that were sacrificed during the days of the children of Israel, the animals that were sacrificed during the day of the patriarchal dispensation, the animal that was sacrificed in the Garden of Eden, all of these animals were sinless. They were, their blood was, was, was perfect and worthy of that moment to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. He wasn't forced. In John chapter 17, this child that was born, that brought the good news and the, and the glad tidings, he says something to us. In John chapter 17, in verse number 1, Jesus is now on the cross. Amen. This whole, this, 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 this,
the disciples and, and he's speaking to them. And, 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 and he's, John 17 and 1 says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh. That he should enter, that he should give rather eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In other words, Jesus says, I've done something that nobody else could do, that nobody else was willing to do. I died for the sins of the whole world. Verse number three, and this is, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Remember John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus himself was a gift to the world. But he says that thou hast sent. Verse number four, I have glorified thee on the earth. Wait a minute, I've done what? I've glorified thee on the earth. In other words, I've sacrificed, I've lived, I've suffered, I've been grieved, I've been hauled, I've been beaten, I've been scorned, I've been ridiculed, I've been despised, I've been not esteemed, and and, and through all of this, I was without sin. I was without sin. You're talking about seeing songs of joy amen we sing this song thank you lord we i hope hopefully you have a different appreciation for that song when we when we open up our mouths and our spirits unto god and sing that song thank you lord because without his coming without his willingness to come and to die on calvary's cross to to bring that good news and that glad tidings that says you can be saved and that you can make heaven your home There would be no reason to sing Christmas carols. Verse number five, and now, uh, verse number four, rather, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, O Lord, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Lord, have mercy. I wonder if we can have the same testimony in the day and the time when all this is over. Can we have the same testimony and say we kept the word of God? That we may enter into heaven's glory. Isaiah finishes in his text, in Isaiah 53. In verse number four, he says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Thank you for coming into the world, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being that light in the morning star. Thank you for being that child that was placed in the manger when there was 
You didn't abandon us. You stayed with those who would desire to be saved. Isaiah asked a question. In verse number six, saw we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It is a, it is a, it is a, it is a clear and, and, and transparent charge upon the entire world that Jesus came and died for your sin, not for his. It was because of our sin. This is why the joy, the good tidings. John would challenge us. He says, you know, rarely would, would a just man lay down his life. But here's Jesus who, who laid down his life for his friend. And he identified his friend as being those who would, would obey him and suffer as he suffered Rejecting the world and looking toward heaven's glory. At the foot of the cross, we find ourselves in a very pointed time. As the new year dawns upon us, are we thinking about eternal life? Are we thinking about the significance of his mediation that will be desperately needed when that time comes? Paul wrote to the church of Galatia as I close here to remind them something about the significance of baptism. In Galatians chapter 3, and we can drop down to verse number 18, and I'm going to close here as we go through the end of this. I'll be done. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 18, Paul writes to the churches of Galatia, and he's talking about the, 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 the time of, of, of Abraham, the patriarchal dispensation, and even in many ways the, the, the time of the children of Israel who would eventually receive the law. But then at the end of it, it is the spiritual side, which is now the church and the covenant. And so in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 18, he says, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore serveth the law? It was added because of our transgression, or because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator. He says, until the seed should come. The seed was in the singular. And not only was it in the singular, it said the seed, which is a definite article. It's speaking of a specific seed, a particular seed. Not every seed and not any seed, but a specific seed. And that seed that he spoke about is Christ. would die for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Moses may have been a good man, but he wasn't the seed. 
Remember when in Genesis when, when God said to, 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 to Eve and to Adam that he shall bruise, that, he, that, that the, his, her seed would become an enmity between uh, uh, God and man, between uh, uh, Satan and, and, and man. And he said, Satan shall bruise his heel and he shall bruise his head. That seed is Christ. It's Christ. And so Paul says to the churches in Galatia, he said, these seed, these seed, which is Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. And this law, is this the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could, which could have given life, Barely righteousness should have, be, should have been by the law. Notice something here. He talks about the significance of the coming of Christ. And perhaps that is why Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Life wasn't in the, the, the sacrifices of animals and, and, and of vegetation. That wasn't where life was. It was, a, it was a, a, a placeholder for the coming of Christ and the shedding of his blood. Hebrews chapter 9, 15 and following. It is about the shedding of Christ's blood, which was on Calvary's cross. And when he sheds his blood, he now, if you will, becomes that which is the intercession between, between God and man. A mediator is one that is an intercession between God and man. The animal's blood that was spilled in the Garden of Eden that whose skin covered Adam and Eve was a mediator, an intercession between God and man. And when that became the perpetual process, you have Noah who gave offerings of animals and the blood of those animals on altars to Christ, I mean to, to God, if you will, the Father. And it was the intercession, the animal's blood, that continued to be perpetuated during the times of Abraham, during the time of Moses and the children of Israel. The animal's blood, Hebrews 9, 15, it was an intercession. It was the mediator between God and man. But those mediators only had a temporary effect. It didn't come into a permanency until the coming of Christ. And now you have. Without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing, he becomes a mediator. Because he is now the intercession between God and man. He's already performed the work, as we just read. His blood has already been spilled. Lord have mercy. He's already done what was necessary in order for him to claim such a right and to have such an authority. To be an intercessor. To be the mediator. And so when he comes back, Lord have mercy. When he comes back, 
That's why judgment begins first at the house of God. I'm closing. Because see, Christ knows where his blood is. He knows where his blood is. He's the mediator and the intercessor. He knows where his blood is. And he knows who's wearing his blood. And he knows who's worthy of his blood. Help me, Lord Jesus. This is where he intercedes. This is where his blood covers a multitude of sins. This is where his blood has become the redeeming power for the souls who want to enter into heaven's glory. And so when I sing joy on these wonderful holiday seasons, when I sing joy, I have in my mind the lamb that was on the cross. They gave his life that we might live. I think about the gift that was given by God that did not have to be given, but yet he gave him anyhow. I think about the gift that we did not deserve, but it was given anyhow. I think about Christ, Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Because it is in his blood that I now can lift up my voice and say glory to the highest. Glory to the lamb. I can lift up my voice and, and, as, and, as, and as John gave us a snippet. And as Daniel gave us a snippet of one of the verses that was sung, if you will, in the presence of Christ in heaven's glory. I remember when he said the cherubims and the angels with the seven eyes and the 24 elders that were around the throne. They said glory, glory, glory. Oh, Lord, have mercy. To God, our Father, the to the Lamb who gave my soul a chance to be saved when I had no chance to be saved when the road was blocked and the gate was closed no way to enter into heaven's glory the cement was too hard no feet to cover no shoes to cover the feet to walk across the spikes and the thorns of life to make it even to the gate of heaven but when Jesus came he said behold the lamb that will pave the way into heaven's glory so yes wide is the gate broad is the way that leadeth to destruction but straight is the gate Narrow is the way that leadeth to life. And so on this road of our journey of life, I'm not looking for every signpost. I'm not looking for any signpost. I'm looking for one signpost. I'm looking for the cross. We don't want to be there unprepared. 
We want to be there ready to enter into heaven's glory. Are y'all with me? As I conclude, in verse number 21 in Galatians 3, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And so Paul tells us in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul writes in the Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And we find ourselves in this place. As a black man called my faith, am I going to follow this line of faith to just turn around? Or am I going to keep my foot on the gas and turn around? The cross is your starting point. The cross is saying, 
washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? <coughs> uh, do you rest each moment? Say, hey, fine. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Uh, are you washed in the blood, in the soul? Cleansing blood of the land, of the land. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the land? We have one more sermon after this. Amen. 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 
more.